You're listening to the Ontos Podcast, where we explore the nature of stories and the pursuit of being in truth. I'm Mac. And I'm Vod. And our sentience depends on you. Now cue the intro music. After that, I began to see other problems. Some of you may know of my fabled memory. It is true. I need not a ferrochemist's metal mine to memorize a sheet of words in an instant. Alright. 41, 42, dang it. You're going to get that little beep. We can't get that one out. 41 and 42. Um, we open up with Sazed's point of view, and this one is going to require me to read a lot of things because we are given epigraphs that we have not gotten to yet, or at least pieces of whatever the rubbing is we've just been referring it to it to it as the epigraphs but it's the rubbing from Saren mm-hmm. that we haven't at least heard yet at the beginning or at the end of chapters um sorry beginning of our episodes end of chapters so we get a it's point of view and tendril and says are going through essentially the epigraph rubbing found in Saren, and quan feared the deepness yet he should not have feared alindy they're trying to piece together this inconsistency right because quan heavily feared the deepness um yet they feared Alindy, yet if they believed the deepness was the mist, Rashik, when he took the power for himself, was able to at least prevent the mist from destroying everything. Prevent the deepness from destroying everything. So there's this weird inconsistency in what they're reading where they go, Why would they fear Alindy but not Rashik when Rashik obviously took the power for himself? Right. And I mean, Quan seems to know this guy and surely he knows his nephew too. So it's like, yeah, drop, we get dropped that Rashik is Quan's nephew. Yeah. That, I mean, I was like, okay, wow. I mean, so mm-hmm. not just that, but he told him to kill Alindi. Well, we're going to get there. So here we yeah. go. Let's go through these epigraphs. Okay. Man, Mac always jumps ahead. Yeah, I, I do. I'm so get excited. So we're going to go through the new epigraphs here or the new readings of the, from the rubbing that we just haven't gotten anywhere else yet. So we have, I have a young nephew, one Rashik. He hates all of Helenium with the passion of an envious youth. He hates Alindi even more acutely, though the two have never met. For Rashik feels betrayed that one of our own oppressors should have been chosen as the hero of Aegis. Alindi will need, to, will need guides through the Harris Mountains. I have charged Rashik with making certain that he and his trusted friends are chosen as those guides. Rashik is to try, to, is to try and lead Alindi in the wrong direction. To discourage him, or otherwise foil his cru- his quest. Alindi does not know that he has been deceived. If Rashik fails to lead Alindi astray, then I have instructed the lad to kill my former friend. It is a it is a distant hope. Alindi has survived assassins, wars, catastrophes, and yet I hope that in the frozen mountains of Terrace he may finally be exposed. I hope for a miracle. Alindi must not reach the well of ascension. He must not take the power for himself. So I mean, like all so many things on that, but <laughs> yeah, there there is a bunch there, but that's what they're trying to piece together at this point. They they keep saying like, based on the logbook, they reference the logbook from the epigraphs in Mistborn, the first book, based on the logbook, based on what Quan says earlier in the rubbings. Does Alindy sound like the type of guy who would have taken the power for himself? Why are they freaking out? Why is he suddenly freaking out over this? Why is Quan suddenly trying to figure out that, you know, or why is Quan suddenly pointing out that Alindi will take the power for himself? 
Because if it's like you're saying, he knows Alindi pretty well from what we're hearing, but he should also know his own nephew Rashik and how how much full of hatred Rashik was. Isn't there a stronger bet that Rashik would take the power for himself? Yeah. So why is he telling Rashik to stop Alindi? You know, so what what is there is, you know, we look at Rashik as the Lord Ruler, based on Quan's own uh, teachings here, based on Quan's what he left behind. Did Rashik end up doing the right thing? Did Quan see something in Alindi that no one else did? Is Rashik the bad guy? Hmm. It's an interesting thought to put forward. But, yeah. So we have this, and they just talk about this. And I think the exact thing that Tindal says is, why would, you know, why send Rashik a wild man to take over for a selfless and wise leader? based on everything Quan has set up to this point about Alindi. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't make sense. Well, they know the city's about to fall. Tendwell and Seiza, they know. They know there's no chance of winning this siege. At least they are. They think the chance is so small that it's most likely going to end with the city fail, uh, falling. So they need to hurry up and push through and finish this. Finish the studying, essentially. We get an Elend point of view. Ellen, uh, afterwards, Ellen believes that the Lord Ruler did a better job than he did. Demu is watching him, and he and Ellen says, I'm going to honor my statement. I'm an honorable man. I told you I'd join the Church as a survivor. When's the next time? The meetings are happening. And even Demu's like, you don't have to. Like, we all know it was a political move. And Ellen's like, eh, I, I, I'm going to. Ellen is down on himself, right? Because he believes that you know, Vin thinks of him as being unworthy. He thinks that, like, it's it's crazy, right? Vin's like, oh, he's scared of me. He doesn't want, want me around anymore. I'm so unworthy of him. And here's Ellen on the other side, right, going, I'm so unworthy of her. Do you see what she did? She killed a man with her forehead. Why would she ever want a weakling like me, someone who can't even hold on to his throne? She's got too much girl boss energy. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so they're both just, like, freaking out and... Ellen wants to see Sazed, and Tendril immediately lays into him to try to, like, you know, just, like, immediately lays into him, and it's just like, hey, you know, you are, what is it, you're, basically, there's the whole, you're worthless, you let go of your throne, we have nothing more to discuss, and Ellen reprimands her immediately, and Sazed's like, Tendril, that's kind of, and Ellen interrupts and goes, no, Sazed, she's just trying to see if my teachings are still, the teachings are still there, and I'm not testing me, yeah. (laughs) And, and... It's like, regardless, you know, you shouldn't talk to him like that. And uh, they just kind of have this talk. He comes to him and says, I need advice. And she's like, you're no longer a king. And he goes, I'm not asking for kingly advice. And we get that, again, we get that sense that Tendril doesn't, is just putting on the harsh outer layer. The minute he, he says that, he goes, ah, okay, then ask your question. I'll give you any advice you want. And they ask, they basically talk about how, you know, they talk about like, you know, can a good man be a king? And essentially the outcome is this. Tendril goes, no, you lost your crown because you're a good man, and a good man can't be a king. And Ellen goes, was that the right choice? And Tendril goes, no. And Sazie goes, no, that was the right choice, you know? It's better that you you stayed true to yourself and you didn't compromise your own views of things. And in that case, you did the right thing. And Sazie talks about, you know, a, talks about a god, essentially. And Ellen's like, what what god do you believe in? And Sazie, because you talk about 300-plus religions, and he gives him the whole spiel of, I believe they all deserve to be known. Except, you know, the Sazed spiel that we all know up to this point. But 
Ellen goes, what would a great leader do now? And Tendru goes, I don't know. They wouldn't find themselves in the same situation as you. They wouldn't have been overthrown. They wouldn't have lost everything. And Ben Ellen remembers what makes a good king. And Tendril said the trust of his people. And that's what Ellen gets up and leaves. Because he has a plan. Because he still holds the trust of the people. So that's the end of 41. Jumping into 42, we get Ellen's point of view. And Demu and the men are still following him, even though he's not king. He directly tells them multiple times, like, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And they're like, what if the king says no? What if Penrod says no? And he goes, then we'll listen. But I don't think he's going to stop us from helping the Ska. And he basically puts together a plan to help the Ska that are in these big, massive, like, pillaged noble mansions. To tells them to move back into where they were being kept, like, for the forges and stuff. And he's like, well, those rooms were purposely made to to keep large groups of people from freezing to death, you know, with very little resources. So he says, don't force them, but, you know... You should tell them that there's a better way and that they could avoid freezing to death. And Ellen talks about how, you know, they're sitting around and, you know, sitting around and waiting is not good for people. Being active is good for people. Doing things are good for people. And I know you've been dying for this episode and you'll get it from us. We're going to have a philosophy of branding because it's shining through perfectly here. Um, With his thoughts on just being like, you should never just be, uh, I don't, I was going to say stale, but that's not it. Stagnant. That's the word. You should never just be stagnant. You should always be striving to do something and improve in some way, shape, or form. And so that's what Ellen's doing right now. He's getting the people to move. Instead of sitting there thinking about their impending doom, he's having them move. And he finds it's even helping himself deal with the stresses and everything. Then we get this great little drop from uh, one of Demu's church followers. Uh, There's an Inquisitor in town. Um, there's, There's been multiple sightings of an Inquisitor in town, and... Demu's like, I, I pushed the other two sightings off because, you know, they could have been, there have been these people that weren't trustworthy, but I trust this guy, Alan. So there's, there, there's an inquisitor in town if he says there's one. And so that is a, uh, you know, that's a bit much. Well, here we go. Ellen, uh, Ellen calls out Ham for wearing a uniform. I think that was hilarious. We need mm-hmm. to talk. I wanted to talk about that for a second. Ham's like, oh, the uniform's back. I wouldn't wish that on anyone. And Ellen's like, no, you're wearing a uniform. He goes, no, I'm not. He goes, you're, the distinct fact that you're not wearing any clothing out in the middle of winter just shows and broadcasts that you're a thug. And so you are wearing a uniform. And Ham's like, oh, interesting. I never thought of it that way. But uh, they talk and they realize that, like, Sets has locked his fate in with Lufadel. They're talking about what the heck, why is he doing it? And he basically, they basically said he's taking a gamble by moving himself in and he's basically saying, whatever happens to Lufidel is going to happen to me. Whatever happens to me is going to happen to Lufidel. And he's basically gambling on the fact that Strat is going to attack and they're going to be able to essentially, they're going to go crawling the set because they're going to need his army. And if not, and they fall and they all die, well, they're all going to die together. So Ellen decides that he needs to gamble now. And he has a, a crazy plan. He convinces ham to help him get out through a pass wall basically to escape the city secretly and he goes to the coloss camp and he walks in and he's just like based on everything i've read i have to be stern with them and they're either going to kill me on the spot or they're going to listen and so he walk he's riding a horse and he just goes take me to jasty's and the creature listens and takes him in and we have a jasty's ellen 
reunion. And Jastis is crazy. Well, before that, there's a big there's a big drop that comes in that says, We are not Coloss, we are human. We are not Coloss, we are human. We are going to live in your city after we have killed you. And so, okay, then we get to the meeting. So we get to this meeting and Ellen go Ellen also notes that the Coloss are wearing these sacks of something and he goes that's the only thing that's different about them than when he saw them when his father made him view them in the past when the lord ruler was alive the only difference is they're carrying the sacks and so these sacks must have something that Jastes is using to to keep them in line so here we go they make it in Jastes is crazy he's he, he he's surprised at ellen's glow up and he's like, I'm going to take you captive. And, and Ellen's like, I'm not king anymore. Like, I wouldn't have come here, you know, if I was king. I'm not that stupid. And we learn that the reason Jastis is the way he is is that he tried to do the exact same thing Ellen did in Lufidel when the Lord Ruler fell. And a political enemy killed his entire family and took over. And so Jastis is like, your ideas suck. They're wrong. I just experienced how wrong they are. The only way to keep and take power is to kill everyone. Basically what Set said. You move in, you remove the person in power, and you kill off their entire family So because you cannot leave anyone who can challenge you for leadership left alive. And so he's there to get the ATM. And he's there to get the ATM to take power and take control of everything. Well, Ellen doesn't like this idea, basically calls him out crazy, tries to explain to him that he can't control the cost, and then when Jastis is going to take him hostage anyway... Ellen lunges out with a knife, basically breaks the guard's nose, lunges out and stabs Jastis in the shoulder. Basically yells at him and said, if I knew how you were controlling the Coloss right now, I'd kill you right now without hesitation. But I don't. You need. You better take these Coloss and you better march them in the opposite direction. How about you go attack Straff's home instead? And he leaves. He takes, well, he takes Jastis hostage and he goes all the way and walks out to the point of where the Coloss camp starts and then pushes Jastis back into the circle and the guards don't chase him into the Coloss portion of the camp. And Ellen knew the minute he did that, that Jastis wasn't going to turn around. He knew. He saw hatred in his eyes. He's too far gone. He's going to attack the city. And Ellen's like, well, this 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 trip was useless. And he goes, but then I wonder. And he picks out the smallest Coloss and he attacks him. And he kills him. <laughs> And the best part I love about this is Ellen does this and it shows like this was just fearless determination because he was outclassed in every way, shape and form, Mm -hmm. strength, skill, ability. He just lunged out and was able to kill this Coloss mostly by surprise. And then he was surrounded by Coloss and they were all staring at him and Ellen stands up and he's like, oh yeah, that's right. They need a reason because the Coloss, when they would kill them, would always say a reason. And so he just stands up and goes, he ate my horse. And all the Coloss nod. All right, he ate his horse. <laughs> and that's why he killed him. But what Ellen was really trying to do was get a hold of what was in one of these patch- pouches to try to figure out. And we're left with knowing that Jastis is controlling the Coloss in the most basic way possible. He's paying them. It's money. And that's the end of chapter 42. So many juicy things in this, um, in, in, in these chapters. Um, the juiciest thing being uh, sharing this podcast with everyone that <laughs> you know and letting people know we exist and giving us a rating. Uh, we appreciate everyone who's been following with us so far. Yes, thank you so much. Um, but I'm, I'm going to, usually I go backwards, but I'm going to go forwards this way. So, because I have to get back to these epigraph stuff. So we get the rubbings from Quan. 
And we learned so many different things. First, we learned that Rashik was Quan's nephew. nephew. Yeah. That um, he was told to lead Alindi astray. And that if he could not do it, to kill him. To kill him as a last resort. Yes. And so this is like, uh, this lines up with the logbooks. Uh, if you mm-hmm. read the logbook, um, uh, the epigraphs from Final Empire, um, it's, I don't know if he mentions him, but like trying to be led astray or he does. He, he does. actually does. I can't remember the exact wording, but he straight up says like, it seems like uh, the Pac-Man are intentionally leading us the wrong way, but I it, can't prove anything. But he know. but he also mentions that he keeps, he keeps, he keeps finding it because he keeps, you know, he keeps like sensing something. He's like, I, I know it's there. It's something over there. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, um, we, we find it, it would get a little bit more of this story of like, Originally, it was almost sold like uh, Rashik decided, you know, out of a fit of jealousy to, to just kill sudden... him and take the power. Right. And I mean, that seems like a character for him. I mean, even now we hear that he's hated. He has hatred. He's jealous. He's all this other stuff. And he really, really doesn't like Alendi. Um, so it makes a whole lot of sense that he would uh, potentially kill him just on his own but now we're finding out that this was his mission this is the whole point yeah quan quan told him to do it um and i mean the and the whole like thing with says it and like pointing out the inconsistencies here like reading it like just going through this like on a second pass i'm like wow i just kind of missed miss how much it makes sense mm-hmm. uh and it, it's just like in his own logic he's saying this is what we're worried about but this is exactly what happened with the Lord Ruler, and it makes perfect sense in the Lord Ruler's character from everything we know about him before he became the Lord Ruler. So why would he be totally cool with his nephew doing this, but not totally cool with what a super good guy, it sounds like, doing it as well? Um, and I just thought that was really neat. Uh, There's more to learn from there. I think I mentioned it a, a couple of episodes ago that... We're getting to the point where these epigraphs are going to start to get juicy and actually revealing a lot of interesting information. Yeah, and I mean, it's these parts where we get to to study that. It's like it always makes me excited whenever we get into another stage of chapter. Um, And then we have uh, Ellen being insecure um, and talking with Tyndall. Uh, Basically, and I thought it was interesting that she's like, "Look, you set you think that you lost your throne." Because you spoke up at the last minute and basically gave them the ability to pull it away. But she's like, you lost your throne well, well before then. Um, and it was, that, it was that final move was, you know, just the final move. But like you had you had already set yourself up for failure. And I thought it was an interesting, you know, thing that tend to put those in the philosophy of um, a good king is trusted by his people and deserves that trust. Uh, which... Okay, I mean that's a pretty simple way of putting it. Um, but my thing, whole thing with with that conversation was to say like Ellen from the very beginning was set up to fail um, mm-hmm. by himself. Now the heartbreaking thing of that, and, and something I completely forgot about and didn't realize was um, Jassy's his story. I. I always thought he just kind of got control of the Coloss, um, and he was just going to go, like, you know, set things up on his own or whatever. I forgot the whole plot line of where his whole family was killed after he tried to implement exactly what Elend did 
Mm-hmm. Um, and this is this is one of those things that like it's very Game of Thrones esque, you know, mm-hmm. where he comes in, he tries to do the right thing, and it's absolutely it makes perfect sense in this world that yep. someone would come in and just like wipe everyone out so that he doesn't have any chance of threatening them. Yeah, and it shows, like you said, that Ellen's own thing set him up for failure because we get to see a mirror of Ellen. Right, like if we're just gonna assume that Jastis did everything that Ellen did because that's what they talked about consistently, we saw a mirror, a parallel of Ellen here, except without no without well without the crew backing him. No crew and no Vin. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, there's so many people that would have already had him killed mm-hmm. um, on on their own, uh, and so yeah, I mean, it's this is like what would have happened. I I always think I guess we can think of Jassy's as like what could have happened because I remember in Final Empire now that net because I remember mentioning in Final Empire when we did episodes there, going oh yeah this is the guy this is the guy that you know shows up with the Coloss yeah and I didn't realize the, spo- I, the spoiler episodes by the way right <laughs> um, and I remember him saying. Or thinking, like, wasn't he, like, a really cowardly guy? Wasn't he, like, a really anxious guy? But in Final Empire, he wasn't. He was, you know, actually pretty confident. And actually, mm-hmm. he was steering Ellen straight. Mm-hmm. So he, you know, it, it, from what we can tell, he probably was at least on the level of Ellen as, like, a scholarly person. He shared the same ideals that Ellen had. You, I think you're right in saying, like, this is a mirror of Ellen. But without having a crew or Vin, and mm-hmm. exactly probably what would have happened to him. Um, yeah, and it's what it's funny because like it's almost a justification uh, to Alan himself of what Tendril said. What, what Tendril said the entire time was true. Tendril said the entire time, if you didn't have these people backing you, you wouldn't even be here by your own by by what you set up. Yeah, and so. Um... My like fan, my my like headcanon fan fiction for Jastis is that he had all of his family killed, and what he was going to do was probably go out and commit suicide by going into the Coloss, and he probably picked a thing with the biggest Coloss there, and just said, "You know what? They've taken everything from me. Here, just take everything and kill me." And then when he threw his money at him, the Coloss was like, "Huh." And decided you, to fight with him or fight for him. You and, can you can pay me. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. And then he was like, I can do that. And then the other Coloss were like, we want money too. And then he was like, I'll get you money. Yeah. And then he got power that way, I'm sure. Uh, so that's my headcanon of like what happened. Um, but let's talk about you know, Ellen going in and confronting the Coloss army. Do, did you see that? At all that Ellen was just going to, the prison method, I'm going to go in, I'm going to fight the biggest guy, except he was like, I'm going to go in and fight the smallest Coloss. <laughs> well, not even, okay, so so the the fighting the Coloss, but even before that, um, what's funny is, like, he goes in there and the Coloss was like, get off your horse. And he was like, take me to justice. And he was like, fine. <laughs> and then he, they uh, they just all kind of like went with it. Um, and he was sitting here walking through like his academics, but I can guarantee you if Tendwell hadn't built him up, he would have buckled so quickly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but like seeing that actually come into like an actual use was really, really neat. Um, but you could see it was almost, uh, I almost like of it like a sort of like a fox and the hound sort of thing mm-hmm. where they're like, 
you know, we were friends, we were this, we were that, you know, um, but there's just no way we're going to be able to get that back. Uh, and then Ellen just comes out and stabs him mm-hmm. and says, you know, I can kill you right now. And I totally would if I knew for a fact that these Coloss wouldn't just go crazy as soon as I did. Um, but again, this is like something Ellen wouldn't have normally done. This is a training thing. This is a growth thing with him. Um, and then, you know, yeah, we had the fight with the Coloss, but the final reveal of that he's paying them. I mean, the nature of everything we've heard about Coloss, which, again, we had dribblings of them in Final Empire, mm-hmm. and we've had them here. They're basically, you know, the a dog without a leash. You know, they go in and they just cause massive destruction. They're extremely strong for their size, even, and they are huge, some of them. He said the one that was five foot tall was swinging a sword that Ellen like had to use both hands to heave over his shoulder with one hand. Yeah, he couldn't he couldn't have he wasn't able to like actually even barely lift the thing. Uh and he's like how could something so small be able to wield something like this? He basically got lucky with uh with the fight. Yeah. Um he closed the distance on him so that that sword wouldn't be as useful and was able to stab him and get him and get him down. But um this uh whole idea that the Coloss are like one that they can talk i didn't even think that Mm -hmm. but that they're like we're not Coloss, we're human yeah where's that coming from well it sounds like and for what we can tell it sounds like the nature of the Coloss may be changing because they say something Mm -hmm. about like how they're wearing clothes and stuff Mm -hmm. and that that's unique for them so we can pretty much assume that the lord ruler was doing some things to control them uh they don't just you know respect power for power's sake um they usually they they were as we know like when the lord ruler died they were started just going crazy and doing their own stuff ever like immediately they had to start killing coloss and putting down these like you know quote air quotes here like coloss rebellions right well yeah yeah and so like the nature of the coloss is also changing uh so that's what we can tell i mean everyone's like this is weird this is not like what we usually see uh kind of stuff um so i mean you know ellen comes in and he does this crazy stunt by going into the okolos army then killing a Kolos on his own uh and then in the next chapter we see vin makes her own crazy stunt hey everyone vod here please rate our podcast and follow us for regular episodes monday through friday if you enjoy listening consider subscribing we are a very small project so please support us with likes and comments you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash ontos. That's patreon.com slash O-N-T-O-S. Thanks again, and remember, our sentience depends on you.